0: Probably not a surprise to you, but life can be unpredictable at times. But the ship keeps sailing at CLNS Radio, so let's get down to business here. Today is Sunday, November 8th. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. And I am Larry H. Russell. Today's guest, Gary Wolfel, NBA insider for the Racine Journal-Times. Coming up a little later in this episode, which today is brought to you by Tick TIQ, IQ T-I-Q-I-Q already has the cheapest seats. For all Boston sports, and now with their mobile app, you can save up to 10% more on tickets to any live event. You can set price alerts to be notified when tickets within your price range become available, as well as see all the top deals for games at the Garden, Gillette, and on the road. They aggregate all ticket sellers on one platform and have the most competitive prices out there. Head to the Apple App Store and download the Tick IQ app. To start saving today, that is T-I-Q-I-Q'd. Use promo code BOSTON for 10% off of your first purchase. Yes, we, as in me and whoever is listening to the show, we are here. Not under the best circumstances. Sellics are not off to the best start this season. Picked up an impressive win back on Friday night that played its part in really taking a lot of individuals in Celtics Nation off the ledge. Celts on Friday night against what we think is a good Washington team. Good, not great, but they should be in that top four, top five at worst in the East. Celtics, no issues, rolled them right up 118-98, to and this was one of those contests where the score pretty much told the entire story. Celts were pretty much in command throughout that night. They were up 20-plus. Pretty early and sort of nursed that one on in a lot of good games all around, encouraging performances. Hey, have to start off with Jared Sullinger, best performance of this young season. Is it enough for him to earn the starting role, the starting power forward slot, particularly with well, how well, not well, how poorly certain other players are playing. And we're definitely going to get into that. But before I touch upon this, because, oh, I know how a couple of you are so eagerly awaiting my take, somewhat sarcastic there, Uh, time to ask you, our audience, in our Facebook question of the week presented by harrys.com. Wake up to Harry's, a better way to shave with cost-effective razors and products designed to give you the highest quality shaving experience possible. Say goodbye to money going down the drain with utterly absurd arm-and-a-leg prices for drugstore razor blades and say hello Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, likely good morning with the smoothest shave you will have for a minuscule fraction of the price, not just a fraction of the price, a minuscule one at that. Start shaving and saving today. Simply sign up for an account with harrys.com and get a Truman set, which is Harry's starters kit for $10, which includes a razor, shaving cream or gel, and one month's worth of blades for, again, all of $10, I repeat, a razor, shaving cream, gel or cream, and one month's Worth of blades for 10 bucks, no tax, no shipping costs in the U.S. So I repeat, 10 bucks by simply mentioning Celtics upon checkout. And if you do not love your first shave, return to Harry's for a full refund. You cannot lose here. So mention Celtics at checkout for a Truman set at Harry's.com. Celtics Speed audience is Jared Solinger, your Celtics starting power forward. If not, who is? Where would Solinger then be? Would love to hear your take. Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. again, presented by Harry's dot com. Now I know what a few of you are saying. Hold the lines here. Remember, I said all summer, expected this, uh, Mr. Sollinger. At least I did. He would get off to a good start this season. Hasn't really gotten off to a great start. Friday night was by far his best game. Just just as he did last year, however, but But, come January and February, if he gets there, that's when I believe you will see that regression. That is when he's going to fade. That's when his poor conditioning is going to get to him. And that's when his body will betray him because it's not in the position where it can stand a rigorous basketball schedule. So, I do expect him to fall apart by then, if for lack of a better phrase. If not, be on the shelf nursing some sort of injury. But now... Roll with it, baby. I say you gotta roll with this. He is your best option there. Kelly Olenek, I've talked about him countless times. Love him as that Swiss Army knife big man. And Friday night he did that with one of those games with a couple, you know, a complete box score. And no, he cannot do that every night. So don't kind of hold out hope saying, Well, if Kelly Olenek can do this every he cannot do that every night. Friday night, his shot was falling, and when it does. It gives him that much more confidence, and he just plays with a greater adrenaline rush, far more energy, and it just has a mental effect very positively on him, and that allows him to contribute with greater outputs. Of course, also, too, that one that play, too, right? That The white guy basketball fan loves the white guy play that Olenek makes. The punch assist to Terry Rozier on his first career basket with a rebound. Very Olenek-like play. But that's kind of Olenek kind of summed up in a nutshell. He's going to give you a game like that, kind of tease you a little bit, and then he's going, to, oh, I can't do this every night. He's just not mentally tough enough. I hate using the me- the phrase mentally tough enough. But it really is true with him where you just, he needs to just have his shot going, and then he will. Really doesn't just get get down on himself, and then he can play with that much more energy and have some really good games. And I think it's good enough for him to warrant a – Spot, not just in a Celtics rotation, but any NBA rotation. I like him as a player because of that. So you got Sullinger, Olenek. Now let's talk about a little bit about Amir Johnson. Kind of need to see what figures out what works for him. Because providing he's healthy, which right now he isn't. I do expect for him to get things sorted out. Because he just does a lot of things that particularly not other players do on this team. But back to Sullinger too here, because that's what we're discussing. Like I said, just ride this out. Ride it right now. Worry about how he'll hold up in January when we get to January. And hey, maybe he plays well enough where that boosts his own individual value around the league and that gives Danny Ainge a chance to, to capitalize on it. But right now, he is the Celtics' best bet there and the, and the best fit for now. And one last brief Sullinger take before we move on. Love, by the way, what Justin Poulin said on last Sunday's postgame show against the Spurs, which you can listen to on demand. On iTunes, Stitcher, and of course, downloading the Clns Radio mobile app. Entering two free seats against the Atlanta Hawks. If you do, we'll talk about that contest a little later in the show. Love what Mister Pullen said, and it's something I've said all along throughout the summer. Can we stop with the Jared Sullinger needs to lose weight take? His big ass is one of his great assets. It was <laughs> great enablers. He's Boston's best interior defender by far, defending back to the basket, the post game. Now, I mean, chasing bigs outside, I mean, not so much. But the opener against Philly is sort of the prime example to point at if you want to watch that game tape against Okafor to see what I'm talking about here. And, of course, he is the Celtics' best rebounder on both ends. So we want him to maintain that butt of his with the muscle and probably a little bit of fat around his glutes. The issue is not the weight. You don't want him starving himself so he can look like Jonah Hill circa 2011. The issue is the body fat. It's the conditioning. That's going to prevent him from playing anything longer than 25 to to 20, 25 minutes max a night. Or else, I mean, back on Friday, I saw plenty of shots of him sucking wind. So that's going to catch up to him. That'll lead to his deterioration as the season wears along. But that's where Solinger needs to be. It wouldn't be the case if he was conditioned a little bit better. Has nothing really to do with the weight. So thank you, Justin, for your take. Definitely suggest our listeners to check it out. On the CLNS Radio archives. And of course listen to the Celtics post game show. Which goes live after every single Boston Celtics home game. Taking your calls toll free. CLNSRadio.com for more information. After every single Celtics game. But to sum it up. Celtics front court. Sullinger in. Kelly Olenek in. Amir Johnson yes in. What we thought was a little discombobulated before the year is taking shape as of now. That could change. Friday night was good. Friday night was great. Took apart a Wizards team that had just beaten the Spurs, and there were a lot of good individual performances. So good night. Happy to do this show coming off that game. But with that said, how do we feel about the season thus far? At best, confused is probably a a good way to describe it. I know I am. Emotionally, I don't feel great. As a fan, at least me personally, come see, come saw is probably the best way i describe what we've seen thus far just five games into this Celtics campaign, be it from just an immediate way of looking at it in a black-and-white standpoint and looking at the grand scheme of things on face value. Biggest issues, no question. What we all rude, it could be, it is that roster situation, the dreaded one. No idea yet, yet what works and what doesn't, even after Friday Yes, back on after the Wizards game, you saw some players have some nice games. You know, Sellinger leading the way. And then Kelly Olenek and Evan Turner getting off the schneid as well. So some thoughts, some would say paranoia that I so infamously had during some shows, particularly during July and August, all the guest segments we had. Notably the ones with Kyle Draper where I was upset at how this roster was put together in that first week of July, the first few weeks of July, and how I felt it would create some early disorganization to get things sorted out. And thus with it, with a loaded November schedule, a lot of games, and a lot of games against quality opponents at that, there's some tough Western Conference teams I see a little later in the schedule in November, and even the beginning of December. But the team would likely experience chemistry issues, get off to a bad start, and thus have to play catch-up from there all season. Yes, they did it last year, but considering we all wanted this team to take another step forward, have some success, that's not the predicament we want this team to be in. So that goes without saying. So now, am I here to say, I kind of told you so five games in, and what's looking to be like a tough month as well? No, because, I mean, first off, I am a fan of this team. I get no pleasure in playing the role of blowhard talk radio host, where the sole purpose of my life is being right on things I predicted. Being right on things... I predicted I'd definitely get no pleasure if there's no money to be made out of it. One thing if I told you, uh, take the Spurs and the Pacers with the points for a million. But actually, I kind of didn't tell you so when all was said and done. Because my opinions, like a lot of people, they swayed there in October. Definitely by mid-October. People I've talked to both on the show, off the record, who are around this team. They began winning me over. Then the six and one preseason, the computer algorithms spitting out forty nine, fifty two win predictions. Even though a lot of those same computers were spitting out the Miami Dolphins to win thirteen games in the NFL this year, I, I, I did. I definitely, my opinion was altered, and I began buying the hype like all of us. But there, now, there's now no question that there are some of the bad scenarios that we imagine could unfold. They are unfolding. They are playing out, and there's no question. The reason as to why it's playing out, well, it's its two things. The first part is easy. There are some gross, underachieving players on this roster. David Lee, Tyler Zeller, they are carrying those banners. And did Mr. Zeller die or something? And then kind of up and down the roster, players are either regressing so far. I mean, five games in now, no one has really stood out besides, I guess, Isaiah Thomas but we really haven't seen anyone be consistent over these five games. We've seen some good individual games, you know, Ie Sellinger, Olenek, and Turner on Friday. Uh, Marcus Smart back against the Spurs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But no, no one really for this you know fresh young season here, and that's what is agonizing. Like, yes, the sellers are not playing great, but at least so and so is playing well so far. That just that's not the case, and I know that's what you get when you have a roster of good players. But one can argue as well. That such underachieving is due to players not really having any set roles where they can settle in and gain a comfort factor. You know I mean? For some players, that matters. I mean, for some players, it doesn't. I know it definitely matters with Kelly Olenek, how mentally weak he is. But it's easy to say, toughen up and play. But we've seen how important this type of this type of organization throughout your roster is. And as good as Friday night was, and I tell you it was better than Sunday against the Spurs or Wednesday against the Pacers, it really did little in the long term or at least – In the immediate future for things for this season, for this season, it looked like to me just a case of a lot of these good players on the roster. Remember what I said on last week's show, good players are capable of having great nights. They're just not capable of doing it virtually every night, 85% of these games, but good players, they played well. A lot of them did, and it could be also creating some issues as well, maybe good issues to have, but. Issues nonetheless, Isaiah Thomas starting. Where is Marcus Smart going to fit when he returns, especially with the starters playing infinitely better in these last two games than the initial three games of the season? We have no idea where this team is at as of now, and I'd say that's—I mean, I, I feel that is a bad thing. So yes, the roster, the off season. I wrote this in the Facebook group after the Pacers lost the other day, actually in the wee hours of the morning. Hey, listen— the jury is obviously far from out on this on this season. Yes, you're already having fans talk about lottery picks. I mean, whatever. That's just idiocy, idiocy as of now. In fact, we just we do not have a clue where this team is at. One iota, no idea. And that win on Friday night, which thank God they got it and and looked the way they did, but it really, like I said, it just confused us in, in a way. If we're looking at just and analyzing it even more and more. It's confused me, that's for sure, but let's give this until Christmas. I think that is the checkpoint. Christmas morning, that is the first real uh, point we're going to have to really assess this season. The jury is not out on this season by any stretch of the imagination here. I think that goes without saying for me to say that five games in. However, I think it's already out on the offseason. I really do. I am going to say... (laughs) I, I I'm going to use this word. I think the off season was what I actually initially thought it was, and we can use disaster to describe it. Strong word. I know. I hate using these words too in radio. I can't stand when the mainstream media in sports, or wherever, like this is a disgrace. This is an embarrassment. Like those words have been tossed around enough. However, Sally, I do not think. There is another way to describe the offseason Danny Ainge and the personnel department had. As I said going into the season, I think we'll get one David Lee's verdict almost immediately to see if he has any game left. Five games in, I can say we've got it. And his sentence in a less civilized society would be the guillotine. However, unfortunately, it's not 1789 anymore. It's not Western Europe so instead, the end of the Celtics bench is going to have to suffice for Mr. Lee. This is Troy Murphy all over again, whereas it took Doc about 10 games to get the drift that Troy Murphy had nothing left to give. Brad Stevens is in a similar predicament here, desperately kind of holding out hope, like, well, you know, maybe he ha- you know, he has so many unique skills, but uh, just two steps behind constantly. It just is not physically capable of and up to par with his peers to contribute. Comes down to that. And really hate to say it, but it was a waste of a trade. Waste of time and money. You got Golden State out of the luxury tax land by taking on this extra $5, 6000000 million of David Lee's salary as opposed to paying Gerald Wallace, what was it, $10 million. And like Wallace, I say by December 7th-ish, D-Day, or also known as Larry Bird's birthday, He's going to be a night-in and night-out DNP CD. That is actually the good news, almost. The real bad part of the deal, I want to read this Brad Stevens quote that was brought to my attention in a piece that Chris Forsberg put up on ESPN Boston after the Celtics practice in Waltham, I believe on Monday after the Spurs game. We will link it in our Twitter, at Celtics underscore beat. Anyways, Brad Stevens speaking to the media, and I quote, I'm going to spend a lot less time being committed to a plan that was preconceived and a lot more time evaluating what's going on, who is playing well, how they best complement each other, and everything else. If we can find some consistency, that'd be helpful. End quote. All right, great. Freaking fantastic preconceived huh? so much for that uber competitive training camp where everyone had to win their role that and we figured out what would work and who would have to win their role like i said the best way to describe the lead trade was a waste of money the worst was that the coaching staff had to work and operate under the assumption that x y and z will fall into place and now that is clearly not the case and here we are Back to the drawing board. Now, is that a big deal after five games? No, but we were all assuming that this stuff would be hashed away in training camp, overseas in Europe, team bonding. Now, we already have a coach, a team that's not even off the mat. Really don't know who they are. Still don't know what fits, what works. We're still asking who should be the starting power forward, blah, 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 blah. Who works well together. I know it's all fine and Danny to say things like, What Kevin O'Connor said in a recent episode of the Garden Report.
1: Stevens has to look at the tape, find out who works well together. Look at the advanced stats. Go talk to the guys in the front office, David Sparks, Drew Cannon. Find out from them what what is clicking in the preseason, what is clicking now, using their practice data, everything at their disposal to find out what's going to work.
0: Clip is courtesy of the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio. Listen, yes, we can all talk like that. It's accurate, but it's not what we want. And it's something I had feared back over the summer. This isn't about working a player or two into your system here. This is the entire freaking roster from the fans to management to the coaching staff. I don't think anyone has a a shred of inkling of what's going to work or any quality combinations. And as a good team, which we thought the Celtics were coming into the season, you would have to have that down pat going into each and every season. And then you have, when you add pieces, you integrate them. But the Celtics, with the poor off season that they had, they are not there. Virtually everybody seems to be at best out of place or in no place. Don't deserve a place as in David Lee. And God, I hope and pray this is just a case of not knowing his role and Tyler Zeller so that's really where this offseason failed the team. Personally, I thought, after missing out on some impact guys, I thought just call it an off season, if not trim some of the fat. No pun really intended, uh Mr. Solinger. And but at least at least call it an off season after Amir Johnson. But I feel that and this is gonna be I don't want to call it a controversial take, but I feel like I'm gonna get some grief for daring to bring this up. I feel that in this spirit of, and I'm going to say it, appeasing fan base. I thought the Lee move had some stenches or some smells of PR. I did. And I was getting at this with Rich Gotham back on the show here two weeks ago, which you can check out in our archives by searching Celtics Beat on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as SteelOnusRadio.com. And the CLNS Radio mobile app, which I guess it's time to talk about. This is perfect to talk about the contest, which we will announce on our Twitter at Celtics underscore beat this week. Winner gets a pair of seats to see the Celtics face the Atlanta Hawks on Friday the 13th by simply downloading and then rating and reviewing the CLNS Radio mobile app. But back to what I was saying. Ask Rich Gotham, how much does fan and media perception affect personnel Decisions and I did expect him to respond with, Well, it doesn't whatsoever. Which historically, he's actually right in nearly every occasion, it hasn't. Nearly every occasion, nearly not entirely. I cite one example reacquiring Antoine Walker in 2005 that was done solely because of the lack of interest and the irrelevance of the team at the time here in the Boston and New England market, despite. The Celtics having a pretty successful season. Okay, the team traded a future first-round pick when it was supposedly rebuilding. Wouldn't dare do that now, right? Took on salary, and it was done solely to create buzz amongst an apathetic fan base and media. So it is possible, albeit unlikely in this instance, that maybe the brass, maybe it was above Danny in a way, who knows, the Brass may have been minorly concerned with the way the off season went, where there had been talks of fireworks for actually the past two summers, and now after what had been a relatively quiet summer, a draft that didn't really bring in much enthusiasm at the time, that maybe pulling the trigger on a, on a Lee trade was done for as much as PR reasons as basketball reasons. You know, hopefully the guy has some game left, hopefully he can be a good player for the team, but... Just, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know how to feel. I mean, I'd like to think that wasn't the case, but I, I do think it's fair game to throw it out there as a possibility because that can be a mindset, and we do have a historical example with the Celtics to back up that claim. Maybe others would have been a bit upset as they were the night after the draft, not trading up. But after missing out on some big names and maybe not being aggressive enough with others, i.e. Greg Monroe, who the Celtics will see on Tuesday, and who we will talk about with Gary Wolfel of the Racine Journal-Times coming up a little bit here, I'd have been happy with just calling it after Amir Johnson. I would have. David Lee, it was just unnecessary, especially with the the, the situation the Celtics had at power forward. Maybe if they had moved, say, Solinger or Linux or, or or whatever or didn't sign Jarepko, but I mean... We hope it wasn't to get a name here to quell some turbulence amongst the fans. We hope. Either way, it did not make much sense then. And as it's playing out now, it's hurting the team both now and in the immediate future. Because this, as we know now know, is going to take, once again, more time to put this team together and then hopefully take off from there and go on a run like last year and have a nice season, continue to build on a foundation that we thought was put into place last year with Brad Stevens. There is time, obviously five games in for goodness sake, but we know it's going to take it too. Interesting week coming up. A team has you know, they've had a few days off here to sort of regroup, catch their breath. We think that's a good thing, but... Where is Stats Adam Lowenstein to tell me the Celtics record under Brad Stevens when the team has two plus more rest days? I actually know it is not good. I don't have the exact number off my head. I just know this is not usually when the Celtics uh, do well, when they have multiple days off. Whereas their back-to-rack record is usually, it's, it's like phenomenal. Especially the past since like last January or something like that. It's I, th- I think they've lost like one game since last January on a back-to-back. Something incredible. So... That is good. But that uh, The Celtics do actually have a... I'm looking at the schedule now. they got a back-to-back in the middle of the week. All right. Perfect. Taking a few days off here. Let the emotional high of Friday's performance wear out. Then travel to Milwaukee, where the Celtics almost never win. They play the Bucks. we got Mr. Wolfel of the Racing Journal Times coming on now in a matter of minutes. We'll get the rundown on the Bucks plus whatever we need to discuss with Gary about the league. Then back home, Wednesday, semi-revenge game against the Pacers. If there's one game all week, where I'd be pretty confident the Celtics will come away victorious in, I would circle that one because Friday the 13th, as we mentioned earlier, Atlanta Hawks. Simply, if you want those tickets, just download and rate and review the CLNS Radio mobile app for iOS or Android. Winner will be announced on the at Celtics underscore beat. Twitter account this week, so we got Milwaukee, Indiana, Atlanta. They're two and three. They resume action on Tuesday. Got a chance to tread water here because this is a tough month. A lot of games, still working a lot of things out with the team here. I know I am actually resigned to the Celtics coming out of this month under 500, if not four, five, even five plus games south of 500. I don't like it. I don't want it, but we're going to have to work with it. I, I I know the lottery talk has already begun. We definitely heard it in the local media. I mean, online communities for goodness sake. Yes. Even our Celtics beat Facebook group fell victim to it. But as I mentioned earlier, let's circle Christmas morning as that real checkpoint to assess this team. Uh, If actually also too. I mean, I don't want to talk about it until Christmas. I can't talk draft already. This is not 2014 again. I hope maybe with that Nets pick, yes. i and I actually have to thank one of my favorite Twitter accounts at Draft Pick Watch for keeping me up to date on their, ahem, uh, progress or lack of there of uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. But uh, this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, presented this week by Tick IQ. I am Larry H. Russell, Gary Waffle of the Racing Journal-Times, after a brief word.
1: Cruise back to the 80s on the first ever 80s cruise. That's right, seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade. Join Huey Lewis in the news. Richard Marks, Starship, Cool in the Gang, a flock of seagulls, Modern English, Naked Eyes, Tiffany, Wang Chung, and Jesse's Girl—the ultimate '80s party band—and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of call like Grand Turk, San Juan, Saint Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, we're going all out by building an '80s video game arcade with Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, and of course, Pac-Man in movies like Ferris Bueller and Pretty in Pink, and there'll even be a VJ contest. Don't forget to pack your best 80s looks, because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, pajama party, and neon beach party. You can't miss this, sailing from February 28th through March 6th, 2016, for the most gnarly vacation ever. For more information, log on to the80scruise.com or call 844-384-8080.
2: Hi, this is Brent Berry and you're listening to Celtic Street on CLNS Radio. Brought to you by American Farmers Network. To receive all the big benefits of small family farms and to eat healthy, log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com.
0: Okay, time to bring Gary Wolf of the Racine Journal-Times back to the show. Our interview with Gary is brought to you by DraftKings. There's still plenty of football we play this season, but it already feels like the playoffs at DraftKings.com, where millionaires are being crowned all season long. DraftKings is fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players you want. That's the beauty of one-week fantasy at DraftKings. Challenge friends in a custom league or join an existing one to play for your share of the millions of dollars in prizes paid out each week with so much money up for grabs. Every game is the big game and every play matters. Renew old rivalries or create new ones by playing head-to-head with friends, coworkers, and fantasy players from across the nation. Just pick your contest, draft your players, and collect your winnings. That's it. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. Use promo code New England and play for free with your first deposit in Sunday's Million Dollar Fantasy Football Contest. First place takes home a hundred grand. Enter New England for free entry now, only at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Gary, Good to have you back on the show. Welcome back to Celtics Beat.
2: Hey, thank you for having me. It's always fun.
0: It was. We had a great chat last time. Definitely want to get you back on. Obviously, this is probably the best time to do it. Celtics are in Milwaukee. You're as connected to the Milwaukee Bucks as anybody. That game's Tuesday. Always a tough place for the Celtics to play, even when they were good with the Garnett years. And even actually going back to Bird, always struggled to win in Milwaukee. So let alone when they aren't as good i.e. right now it's like they never win there so it's going to be a tough game for them talk about the bucks they got off to a slow start they they had some looked like some bad losses right laid an egg in their home opener against the the knicks got jabari parker back a few games in they've seemed to right the ship a little bit tell me what you see because we definitely care what someone like you who sees since you are on the team as much as you are
2: yeah well I'll tell you what larry they're they're kind of like a uh, work in progress uh they've had a bunch of early season injuries and of course uh you know jabari parker uh was held out of action for a while uh after undergoing uh, a c l surgery on his knee and uh the bucks have been ultra cautious about you know rushing him back into the fray and uh he came back the other night he was very tentative but uh he got that first game jitters out of the way and then he came back and played the second game and um he he got the ball one time on the uh in the left corner and he drove baseline and and he went up and, and did a 360 dunk and uh I, I think it was like Jabari Parker saying i'm back <laughs> and it was really emphatic and he, you know, anybody in Bucks Nation obviously uh was very happy to see that
0: yeah, I can see they've eased him in a bit here, not playing him many major minutes like last night alone. I see he played 24 minutes while chipping in eight, giving the Bucks another win against the Nets, getting them over 500 now, actually. And I, like I said, Gary, I have not watched them yet. We'll do so Tuesday or maybe even Wednesday a.m. on the CSNE app on the replay. But I tell you which player who interests me the most on the Bucks roster, and that's Greg Monroe because, A, because I wanted him in Boston so bad. I've always been a fan of his game. And, B, you got my hopes up so much, Gary. Last time we had you on here, you felt he'd wind up in either Boston or New York. So before we talk about what he's doing for the Bucs, which we know is a lot, what changed there and what steered Monroe to Milwaukee?
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, if if I would have pulled, let's say, 20 people in the NBA, you know, NBA general managers, assistant managers, or coaches, I guarantee you 19 of them would have said that he was going to go to the Knicks or the Celtics. And uh, the, the the big money was on the Knicks because his agent was Dave, or is David Falk, and David Falk is a great rapport with Phil Jackson, and uh, certainly the uh, Knicks had a uh, gaping hole at center, and which they later later void with uh, later filled with Lopez, but uh, there are a couple of factors that I, I think nobody really knew about, and one of them was his friendship his friendship with Chris Middleton. And uh, Chris Middleton started his career out with the Detroit Pistons and became very good friends with uh, Greg Monroe. And uh, Chris was very influential in Greg coming here. He lobbied on his behalf to come here. And uh, if, if you watched any of the games already this season, you can see that friendship carries over onto the court. Uh, there was a game the other night where, it came down to the last two, three minutes, and I swear that Chris Middleton and Craig Monroe had the ball probably 90% of the time, and they were looking for each other, playing off each other. And uh, that that certainly was one factor. Uh, another factor was um, Craig Monroe talked to other players during the course of last season above Milwaukee, and one of them was Karan Butler. Who uh, grew up in Racine, Wisconsin, which is about 30 miles south of Milwaukee, and then of course played for the Bucks a couple years ago. And uh, Karan had nothing but good things to say about Milwaukee and the uh, Bucks organization, and uh, he was well aware that they had new owners that were, you know, striving to uh, turn things around. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, when when the money's pretty much equal, and and one of your best friends is lobbying for you to play with him, and You've heard other good things from other players. Uh, that that factored into it. I don't think the Bucks were absolutely certain after they left the meeting uh, that they had Greg Monroe, because they later met with uh, Robin Lopez, who ironically enough ended up with the Knicks. You know, so uh, but yeah, th- those were factors that I don't think any of us knew at the time. Uh, you know, prior to the uh, July free agency.
0: Yeah, from my end, and I actually sort of – I don't want to say I discussed it a little earlier in the show. I, I vaguely did because I was bringing up his name. I was talking about the Celtics offseason. I thought I got a little out of control when I referred it as a disaster, only if for the no other reason in the fact that I don't think they're getting help from anybody else. I think probably we could talk about that a little later. But I want to stick with Monroe because my point about it was I was – I don't want to say frustrated, but it didn't seem like the Celtics were as aggressive as – other teams were, i.e., Milwaukee, who ended up signing him. And I actually just sort of want to talk to you about him in that how he's playing because, like I, as I mentioned a little earlier to you, I have not watched the Milwaukee Bucks yet. Here we are, uh, five, six games into the NBA season, but I've always been a big fan, and I was really pushing. I mean, I can't say I was pushing the Celtics to sign him; they weren't listening to me, believe me. But I haven't watched him yet. I'm waiting till Tuesday. I just look at the numbers. I see his efficiency efficiency ratings. It looks as if he's contributing. Once again, could you sort of give me the lowdown on how he's fitting in?
2: Yeah, he's been fabulous, to be honest with you. Um, you knew coming into uh, the season that he was like a double-double machine. Uh, when he was in Detroit, it was almost like you he, he knew he was going to get a double-double, uh, and you kind of took it for granted. Well, he, he's done the same thing here pretty much in Milwaukee already. And uh, he's he's been absolutely excellent on the boards, and that that was the one area in which the Bucks definitely had to improve. Uh, when they played the Bulls in the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs last year, they got annihilated in most of the games by the Bulls on the on the boards. So that was a primary uh, objective of, the, of Bucks uh, management to go out and get a big-time rebounder. And uh, he's filled a void. So he, he's pretty much averaging like 19 points, nine rebounds. And this is what kind of really, really has blown me away. He is a much better passer than I ever, ever expected. Now, I saw, you know, Gregman role play on numerous occasions over the years, but I didn't realize he was that good of a passer. And uh, I think he's averaging right now just slightly over three assists a game. And that's the most by any center in the NBA. I, I was looking it up yesterday, and, and that, that, that kind of blew me away. But So if you consider he, he's been a potent, low-post scorer, he's been good on the boards, and he's been a, a really nice passer, uh, you know, right now it looks like the Bucks got an absolute steal.
0: Yeah, I thought he was – I mean, I was saying on, on prior shows, and if I recall – he didn't really sign too much of a long-term deal. with the Is that correct? It was like a th- two-year deal? Yeah, two year
2: guaranteed, and then an option on the third. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I was just like, "Oh my goodness!" I mean, I thought he was perfect with the salary cap rising going into next year, and he's going to be costing, I believe, fifteen million dollars. So it's like once once he doesn't sign with the seller, <laughs> it's just like he's like he's dead to me. So it's so, 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 it's fifteen dollars, fifteen million or so, in in and around that area.
2: Hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and,
0: and I remember thinking to myself like. You know, you have these discussions like, oh, you know, Greg Monroe was quote-unquote not a max player, and it's like, it's completely the other way around. When you talk about raising the salary cap, he right. is, and I mean, the only really detrimental part about his game, I always thought, was his defense. I mean, I, I know, it was funny how you mentioned that you didn't think he was that good of a passer. I've noticed that about him a lot, especially since he played back in the you know the old Big East, which is sure. the only college basketball that I ever followed, but... I mean, has his defense been at all effective, or it's just because I think if it's just average for him. I mean, he's such a plus player to have.
2: Yeah, and uh, he's a good person too. I know he's well liked by his teammates. Uh, he's articulate, and uh, I know he's very team oriented. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because when I spoke with him the other day, I said, you know, you remind me in a lot of ways of Willis Reed. You know, the great New York Knicks center. Uh, who's in the Hall of Fame? And you know, they they got that same height. They're both right around 6'10". They got that big body build. Uh, the only thing is Willis was able to go, you know, a little more out in the perimeter. But I've noticed that even in the last couple of games that Greg Monroe is going out to the perimeter and, and shooting it. Uh, you know, at least from the free throw line extended. And uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, if he does that, uh, he, he's just going to be a beast uh, for the
0: Bucks. Oh, I'm still a little peeved that, that the Celtics weren't as aggressive as I thought they could be. Because mm-hmm. especially when we spoke to you, it seemed like that they could have been massive favorites for Monroe. I mean, if they were a little more aggressive than, than what they were, so which is slightly disappointing. Obviously, could change. Want to talk actually very briefly about this game coming up Tuesday. I know the Celtics have a few days off. Obviously, this isn't a the Super Bowl. I think they could care less about Gary Wolf's predictions or Larry H. Russell's predictions for one out of maybe 82 in the NBA. But do you have any general thoughts going into this game on Tuesday?
2: Well, you know what? It's kind of a statement game for the Bucks because they know the Celtics are one of the teams that they're going to have to beat out you know, in the standings. And the one thing I've noticed with the Bucs is after two absolutely horrendous back-to-back defensive performances, they have righted the ship on the defensive end in the last two games they they've actually looked good. And that's playing with, you know, a hodgepodge lineup. So, um I you know, right now I'd i definitely be leaning towards the box. Uh and that time and not only by that time, um John Henson will be healthy. Number one, Michael Carter Williams is expected to be back by then. And uh they should have a full complement of players uh, which they haven't had
0: uh, all season. Yeah, before the season, a lot of people had the Celtics winning. I mean, not. I don't actually want to say a lot of people. A lot of machines had the Celtics winning like forty-nine to fifty-two games, whereas a wow. lot of pe- a lot of people <laughs> yeah. had them like winning forty to forty-two. They haven't exactly gotten off to a roaring start. Like you said, you have to pick if you're going to pick a game. You probably have to pick the Bucks going in this game. They're at home. The Celtics stink in Milwaukee. They're two fairly evenly matched teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, what, are your, what is your take sort of on the Celtics on face value from out in Wisconsin?
2: Well, from my perspective, I, I think they got a lot of. I think they got a lot of work in front of them. Um, I, I was talking to a guy uh, in advance scout the other day, and you can correct me, Larry, if I'm wrong, but they do have the Brooklyn Nets. You uh, a... Top draft pick, right? And it's <laughs> unconditional?
0: Yeah, unconditional for the next three years. Next year they can swap theirs, but 16 and 18, they have it no matter what.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, theoretically, they could have the number one pick in the draft this year. Now, if if they get the number one pick, I, I th- and I think this is going to be a terrific draft class. I mean, there's probably about eight or ten really good players that I, I see already. Um, that would go a long ways for the Celtics' resurgence if they could get that number one, number two, number three pick. And I think there's an excellent chance of that happening. Plus, uh, they'll they'll have their own, and I would imagine that's going to be in the top half of the draft, so they'll add two more good players. But uh, right now, I mean, from my perspective, looking from the outside, it's like they have a lot of good players, but they don't have that franchise player. And if you want to go deep, deep into the playoffs, you got to have a franchise player. You know, a Kevin Durant, you know, somebody like that, somebody that you can just say, "Hey, get us some points, give us some baskets," and uh, go from there. But um, you know, in, in a lot of respects, they're like the Bucks, a lot of good players. But I think the difference with the, with these two teams is that Jabari Parker and uh, Giannis have huge upsides. I, I was talking to a couple of scouts the other day about this. And uh, they both think they're uh, fringe all stars already, and these guys are only twenty years old. I mean, theoretically, they could have the best backcourt in basketball for the next eight to ten years, uh, based on their upside.
0: Yeah, I know. I don't. That was, it was funny. I was looking at Giannis's profile as well. I was like, wait, how is this guy twenty? It seems like he's been in the league. Like, yeah. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> exactly. When he come in the league? When he was in middle school or, or barely? <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you what—he's turning into a, a monster. Uh, I, I thought it would take him maybe until he was like maybe 23, 24 to really, really uh, feel comfortable with the NBA game. By then, his body would grow out. Well, this uh, this summer, he really worked on his body, and, and he's not that slim guy you saw, you know, the last two years. I mean, he's he's got some meat on his bones, and uh, he's he seems to be much more focused. And, uh, you know, again, based on what I saw, Jabari, uh, the last game or so, it looks like he's uh, going to be better than I thought uh, coming off that knee injury. So uh, those are two guys that I, I think anybody in the league would love to have.
0: Yeah, I know about Giannis. I remember his, his rookie year. He immediately I don't want to say he immediately got hyped, but when he started, he had a lot of YouTube plays, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, oh, my goodness, this guy. And I, it, it was funny. I, I was looking at his body, and I was saying to myself, like, I wouldn't annoy annoyed him just yet with just someone who was that yeah, thin. Yeah. I remember Jonathan Bender. Do you remember that name? Yeah, absolutely. He just, and yeah, he was yeah. just the same thing. He came in the league. He had back then. It was SportsCenter. It wasn't YouTube. He had the SportsCenter plays. He had a pretty complete game. But, I mean, he was like uh, like he just like got of a, out, of, out of concentration camp. And that, that just, not, really and, and eventually the, that body is, can't handle the amount of games and it just breaks down. So I always thought that could have been a possibility for him. But I guess not now,
2: Larry. Larry, that that's a great analogy, Jonathan Bender. I, I, I totally forgot about him. But you're absolutely because right because he
0: had a pretty forgettable career. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And done. Well, we it, thought we thought he would be, say, circa 2001,
2: right? Well, I, I was talking to Chris Copeland uh, of the Bucks the other day about Giannis, and he was saying, "Wow, this guy's upside is off the charts." And he goes, "You know, the the versatility that Giannis has." is really really unique. I mean, you you get by LeBron James and uh maybe a couple other guys that that can play multiple positions, but Giannis can play you know, small forward, obviously, power forward, obviously, shooting guard, obviously. But he's got a great handle where he can go out on the point every once in a while. And I've seen him go head to head to head with some of the bigger centers in the league and uh, hold his own. So Uh, definitely, definitely a very rare player.
0: I want to change the topic to actually a more personal question. This is November 8th, I believe, the... Period in which NBA free agents can be traded is was it like December fifteenth, something around uh-huh. that area. Right. Is, is this technically now your off season? This being a, the, the quiet, the quietest time, is because especially with you know how connected you are and the stories you've gotten out there, is this the quietest you're at?
2: Yeah, pretty much so. Because I was telling a friend the other day, I said, you know, the regular season for me <laughs> is like a cakewalk because. Uh, I will do a, a fair amount of magazine writing uh, during, this, during the uh, summer for Lindy's Pro Basketball Magazine. And uh, I, in the past I've done, you know, the Bucks preview, Bucks feature story, and this year, and then maybe one or two other teams, but this year I did like five different teams and uh, also sidebar pieces. And uh, so it was really busy. And then you compound that with, Uh, the draft, you know, in late June, and then you got to start a free agency in July. And uh, I'll tell you, June, July, and August for me are are just really, really hectic. So,
0: and I have to actually barely have to ask to be snoop around. You probably have how much have you heard in and around the NBA about what's going on? Do you think it could be pretty busy? Because the Celtics actually were the team that really got that trade season kicked off. I mean, they they completed almost all their deals pretty much with the first week of the new year.
2: Yeah, you know, I, there, there's going to be a lot of trades coming up, you know, eventually. I mean, the trade deadline isn't until February, but, uh, I mean, there, there's already talk uh, out of Milwaukee that, uh, you know, they they could trade Jared Bayless, they could possibly trade O.J. Mayo, and uh, the word is that they would trade Mayo, except nobody wants to pick up his salary, which is $8 million for the season, <laughs> and with, with Bayless. He's just been kind of, you know, erratic and inconsistent. And I mean, the other night he played 47 minutes and actually played pretty darn well. But, uh, you know, he's an up-and-down player, but uh, it, it wouldn't shock me one bit. You know, the, the league is always looking to make deals, especially now I, I think there's more of an emphasis and more pressure on these teams to, uh, you know, do better. And uh, I think come February, there's there's going to be a bunch of uh, trades.
0: Yeah, I thought the Celtics last year, obviously I'm going to reference the Celtics, <laughs> the team I follow the most, they really took advantage of it by making those two early trades so that way they could settle in their team rather than mm-hmm. piecing together everything as the Bucs did after the deadline last year with the Mark, Michael Carter-Williams deal, which, I mean, didn't really work out. So the last question, has he sort of settled in? I know he's been hurt these last few games against the, the Nets and, and, and whatnot, but has he just sort of meshed in and gotten a little bit better than what we saw at the end of last year?
2: Mm, I, I can't say that he has. I, I really can't. Uh, he he's, he seems pretty much the same old player that you, you've seen the last couple of years, and he's, he's still struggling from the perimeter, and, and I think you and I may have talked about this last time. The NBA has become so perimeter-oriented. Uh, I mean, you know, I... Golden State, San Antonio. Just look around the league, and everybody's shooting the three now, and uh, he can't shoot the three. I mean, it's plain and simple, and and his defense has not been as good as people thought it would be. So uh, I I would imagine Jason Kidd is going to give him, you know, as much rope as he can because it was Jason Kidd who pulled the trade to get him, you know, for uh, Brandon Knight. So uh, I I think he's going to be. more patient with him than the average fan would be. But uh, he, he's definitely the key. If the Bucs are going to go anywhere, he, he's, he's got to be that X factor.
0: Yeah, You talk about it with young players. This is the thing that I point out the most, if I can make a final thought. Giannis's improvement, he's improved tremendously across the board, all, you know, mm-hmm. in every facet of the game from physical physically to what he does on the court. And then Michael Carter-Williams, you hate seeing that. Guys come into the league, and they have pretty much the same skills that they did their first year in the league. Always frustrated me whenever I discussed young players. And that really is, I think, not obviously how you judge players, but how you can really just judge them as people. Because if they come back in different off-seasons with new facets of their game or enhanced skills, that shows that they're willing to put the time and effort into it. So that's, you could probably... You know, make that case really about Michael Carter-Williams or any other young player. I really think that's how you judge him. But Gary Wolfel, once again, you can check him out on journaltimes.com and you can follow him on Twitter at his namesake, Gary Wolfel. Gary, thanks so much for taking your time for your return appearance to the show.
2: I'll tell you what, Larry, these 20 minutes or so just flew by, so it must have been fun.
0: <laughs> fun! Thank you. I hope I had something to do with that, Gary. Going to pat myself on the back there. Uh, but... Greg Monroe, God, that discussion there now makes me want to look at this more and more, get the whole story down on the interest level of the Celtics there, what happened behind the scenes. And hey, maybe Monroe just really was blown away by Milwaukee. But goodness, would he look good here in Boston? It always ticks you, especially as much as you were personally clamoring for him. He's now my Raymond Green all-star, guys. I was begging for the Celtics to get at the chance when they had the time. And Green going ball all the way back to the 2012 draft. I was praying they were going to take him with that pick. They ended up using on fab-freaking-mellow, facepalm. And now Monroe, possibly through free agency this past summer. But, God, he would have just been a great pickup, especially at that price. And, yes, this team does need a defensive big in the worst way that can trap the pick and rolls. Almost as if you can sort of make Amir Johnson and Greg Monroe, roll them up into one-player but he would have been such a help on the boards. If he was your starting center, I mean, this team, wow. Then, in my eyes, you're talking about a 50-win team. No question. He would have filled such a good chunk of the deficiencies on this team. But now, he's doing so in Milwaukee. He's having a great season there. Helped kick the Nets' ass last night. We're going to talk about the Nets around the NBA in five. We've got to bring it back. And if of course... Brought to you by American Farmers Network.com. The holiday season is fast approaching, and Thanksgiving dinner with family and friends is just a couple weeks away. Looking for the best bird you can put on the table and do your namesake proud. Well then your best bet is to purchase a certified organic whole turkey at American com. AFN's turkeys are humanely treated. Free-ranging turkeys raised and harvested on small family farms with no GMOs, antibiotics, or growth hormones. Their organically fed diets lead to a healthy lifestyle, which means an even more delicious Thanksgiving meal for you and your family and one of the healthiest options out there. AFN's turkeys also come in all shapes and sizes, ranging anywhere from 10 to 14 pounds to accommodate just about anyone. Special deals available now, so don't wait long. You don't want to miss out on AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. That's AmericanFarmersNetwork.com, and this is around the NBA in five. Brooklyn Nets, ah, zero and seven. Figure this isn't the last time we'll visit this around around the NBA in five for this 2015-16 campaign. Celtics Nation, the media here in New England, and the organization. I'm sure. We will be watching that team like Hawks. Funny, too. Computers spit out 50-ish wins for the Celtics. It, that they didn't miss that on the Nets. A lot of algorithms had the Nets as the worst team in the league, the worst team in the league, worse than Philadelphia. And it's looking they are right. Now, granted, they have played a very hard schedule, although that Lakers loss on Friday reeks. And it looks like they won't even be favored to win a game until the 10th against Philadelphia. Listen, like with the Bucks. I haven't really done my part to go out of my way to watch Nets games, although I think that's all you really need to see. Them going 0-7 as well as losing to the Lakers the other night. And now, lo and behold, Brooke Lopez removed from last night's game, posted 20-8, sore foot. He's the difference between that team being one of the worst teams in NBA history as opposed to one of the three worst teams in the NBA as they are now. And it doesn't get any easier for them at Houston, at Sacramento, at Golden State. I mean, that's just an ugly team. All the way around. And watching all these teams as a Celtics fan will be fun to watch all year. But mostly the Nets because it's the least confusing in terms of uh, where teams end up. But yeah, Minnesota as well. They played last night. They picked up a huge win in Chicago. Chicago. Are they maybe t- running on their adrenaline off the death of Flip Saunders? How long is that going to last? We hope it does because we just the Celtics really just need them to win around 40 or so games. They get another possible lottery pick as well. But i got to talk a little about their team. Great job bringing Kevin Garnett back the uh, last year. One of Flip's last moves. He's really doing a lot for their young players. Perfect for young players. Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns. Their development comes along far more rapidly because you have a menace like Garnett challenging them in practice, challenging them day in and day out, setting examples, showing what it is to work. And when young guys put that work in and get better each and every day and make those improvements to their game in off seasons and even during seasons, then they evolve on, like, say, Michael Carter Williams, who we just talked about with Gary. So nice win for them. Going back to last night against Chicago. Got contributions from their young players. Their roster in my eyes. It is a little thin. That could hurt them down the stretch after this rush from dedicating the year to Flip wears off. That and playing Andrew Wiggins, who two years ago was playing 20-some college games a year. Now is to play 82 in, what, 41 minutes like he did against Chicago last night. May not last the year, but would love it. So come on, Wolves. And we're going to have to make this very brief. We're going to have to cut the NBA a little short because we're up against the wall here. But Dallas... Now 500 at three and through after beating New Orleans last night, who was 0 and 6. I mean, I, that's just flabbergasting to me. Their pick, top seven protected, I believe. But as long as they just hang in there, they got to convey their pick over to Boston. They're playing a little better, I think. Actually, they possibly will because Darren Williams—he's been up and down. He's had a good game last night, getting contributions from their other regulars on the team. Dwight Powell actually pumping in fi- 15 last night. He's actually third on the team in scoring. Old name, if anybody remembers. Had a few fans here last year, way back last year, because of his versatility. He's a guy with athleticism. Very possibly could be carving out a niche for himself in the league. And hopefully he does. But we're going to have to cut around the NBA in five right there because we got to get out of here. But that little draft pick addition of around the NBA in five, Dallas three and three, okay. Minnesota three and two, that's good. Nets 0-7. We could play that uh, every year. But this is fun. There will not be a lack of interest this Celtics season, no matter how disappointing this Celtics team could be, which I pray they aren't. But as you guys may know, I am a fatalistic Bostonian, so I do always prepare for worst-case scenarios. But worst-case can't be that bad with how terrible New Jersey is. So that's going to be fun to watch this season, no matter what. Got to get out of here, though. That's the end of this show. Another week. In the books, but music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, DJ The S, Ostrovex, and Steph LeGrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. I'd like to thank our guests, Gary Wolfel, JournalTimes.com, and of course our sponsors, TickIQ, DraftKings, Harry's, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our program director, Nick Chelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtic Speed, I am Larry H. Russell. We will be back next week, as always, with yet another edition of Celtic Speed, powered by CLNS Radio.